Hello, and welcome to the Amateur Cryptid Survival Guide. I'm Cass Rowland. And I'm Jade Furlong. This week, as every week, uh, we address a different cryptozoological phenomena. Sorry, I, ju- I just wanted to sound like all the other uh, the other cool cryptid podcasts that talk about uh, the paranormal and the um, the 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 super realities or whatever the fuck they say. This week, we discuss the mysteries and the unexplained paranormal happenings of this seemingly quiet town. But in this case, in this case, this quiet town is a massive city. Um, That's oh, you're gonna uh, make me rich. Oh, it's bad. (laughs) That um, our our podcast distribution website seems to confuse with Chicago a lot. Um, But we are actually going. It is. It does. Um, But we're actually going uh, north of the United States border to Canada today to discuss um, a truly horrifying, horrifying. Awful, very bad, no good. Creepy. The tunnel monster of Cabbage Town. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, haunting. So, Cabbage Town is this little neighborhood in Toronto. I, I feel like everyone knows Toronto. Do we have to address Toronto? No, I think I think at this point, dear listeners, if you don't know what Toronto is, please pause the episode. Get out a map. And just, like, look at it for 20 seconds. Um, yeah. Normally, if you're looking at a map of Canada, there's a big star around it that says Toronto. Um, and if you're looking at, like, cool facts of Canada, you'll see it's... I don't know if it is, like, in the top five biggest cities, but um, it is certainly in the top five most relevant uh, <laughs> to my life. Now, Cabbage Town is this small neighborhood within toronto it is defined as part of the cabbage town to south st jamestown neighborhood so it's it's allegedly named uh i i think this is fairly verifiable um it the name derives from the macedonian and irish immigrants who moved to the neighborhood beginning in the late 1840s who are said to have been so poor that they grew cabbage in their front yards. Now, whether or not the fact that they actually grew cabbage in their front yards is true, but it it is how the city got its name. That's a very fun mythos. Can I provide an alternative for the modern day? If they want to, like, be relevant they eat with a the lot cool of fucking kids? cabbage. No, they could be like, yeah, you know, we were just so moved by that one side character in Avatar The Last Airbender, whose cabbage cart always got destroyed. Oh, uh, see, um, I thought you were going to make it a weed thing. Oh, well, it could also be that weed is legal there. Yeah, I'm... smoke your cabbage, get your cabbage, live with your cabbage. Cabbage is a lifestyle here. <laughs> Either way, have some boiled cabbage while you're here. It tastes better when you're high. It's very small, uh, and throughout the the nineteenth and twentieth centuries, was by and large uh, lived in by lower class folks within within Toronto. And it's sort of seen as uh, the bad neighborhood. Like one of the things Wikipedia mentions is uh, panhandling and drug dealing are part of the urban landscape. So are gourmet shops, upscale boutiques, and arts festivals. Because the thing is, the city went through a big gentrifying period during the 1980s. Mm. Uh, From the 1970s onwards, many residents uh, restored small Victorian row houses and became community activists. It was gentrified by affluent professionals uh, like Daryl Kent. 
but the city was sort of in the process of being restored, and a lot of houses were sort of in this uh, this state of ruination throughout much of the city's history. Mm. And now we're going to get into the Toronto Tunnel Systems. Now, Cass, do you know about the Toronto Tunnels? Well, I have a... I feel like I'm dropping their name a lot in this episode. I have a Google page up that has Toronto Tunnels in the search bar. Wow. Um, so I've I've learned that there is apparently a network of pedestrian tunnels called yeah. the Path Network yep. in Toronto. Um, apparently it is uh, closed at night, which is how they answered the question, is Toronto Path safe at night? Which I think is kind of dodging the question. Um, but no, I'm aware that Toronto uh, Path is close to you at night, so don't worry about it. Just don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not allowed in the tunnels at night. But if if I got in or if I like walked in by mistake, would I be safe there? You're not allowed in the tunnels at night. <laughs> is it is it safe? Oh yeah, we we close them all. But what if what if I don't get out in time? <laughs> you are not a pedestrian of the path tunnels. Then you are. The sacrifice to keep the tunnel safe <laughs> for everyone else. But anyway, we've done a great job of skirting around the um, kind of the elephant in the room, um, which I'm Where assuming is also it's also kind of probably included in the uh, description of this episode. Uh, there may or may not be a horrifying creature that lives in the Toronto tunnels. The Toronto tunnel monster, or more accurately, the Cabbage Town tunnel monster. Uh, is a is a little is a little monkey man. <laughs> so I only have the one sighting to give you. Uh, this yeah. is this is one of our one offs, but we are dealing with it is the year nineteen seventy nine, March twenty fifth, that the the Sunday Sun, the Toronto Sun, publishes this paper about an incident from sometime in nineteen seventy eight. This comes to us from Ernest living in Cabbage Town. On a summer day last August, Ernest, 51, firmly believes he saw some kind of creature while crawling into a small cave near his Parliament Street apartment looking for a kitten from a litter he'd been caring for. But about 10 feet inside, he says he saw a living nightmare he'll never forget. It was pitch black in there. I saw it with my flashlight. The eyes were orange and red, slanted. It was long and thin, almost like a monkey. Three feet long, large teeth, weighing maybe 30 pounds with slate gray fur. Uh, Ernest speaks reluctantly of what happened next. He is convinced the thing spoke to him. I'll never forget it, he said. It said, go away, go away, go away, in a hissing voice. Then it took off down a long tunnel off to the side. I got out of there as fast as I could. I was shaking with fear. Yeah, this is the this is the part of the story that makes me worry that unlike so many of our our charming uh humanoid-esque kind of ape-like creatures, this one is definitely not going to be the fan favorite. Um before I started reading, I was like maybe maybe it can get like second to last cuz those wood devils are pretty awful. Um and then it's fully implied that it ate a cat. No, what? No. No. Listen. Because what I read, I'm trying to find the source for it because I don't want to make unsubstantiated <laughs> cat murder claims. Um, 
is it is it true based on your knowledge that eventually they did find that cat? No. They didn't? That that specific cat? No. Uh the corpse oh, they of found a cat. It. Just a cat. They just found just a cat. Just a cat. The corpse of a cat lies half buried in the tunnel. And this is just a descriptor of the tunnel. So I guess, I guess the cat's just been there or something. So uh, what I'm but hearing Ernest is... But Ernest did say that he heard strange noises like animals in pain coming from the chamber last summer. Oh god, that that context is going to make this joke so much more horrifying. It does it is does it eat pussy? Is that what you're saying? I was gonna say we know it eats pussy, but we don't know how much. <laughs> oh no! See, it's bad now. It's so oh, bad. That's oh, that makes me sad. Doesn't it? This this does remind me though. In terms, the only part of this that this reminds me of is the eating of what is considered domestic animals. Mm-hmm. I remember a few years ago when Venezuela launched this program to try and combat food insecurity where they were going to give every citizen a rabbit with the intention that people would kind of like feed them and grow them and then eventually eat them and they got really upset that everyone started adopting the rabbits and felt bad about the idea that they could feasibly kill and eat them um because you know what i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie here you know me you know i'm a pacifist but if the city of Toronto had locked me in their insidious little tunnel maze mm-hmm. for an undetermined amount of time, because we know they lock them, um, I, I wouldn't want to starve. That's so grim, but I think if I had to choose between starving to death in the Toronto tunnels or eating a cat, Oh, I think I need a cat. Here is Fuck, the cat. That's, that's awful to say. <laughs> I, I won't speak on that. Um, Path was opened. Let's see. The first pedestrian tunnels were opened in the 1900s. Uh, the next set were sort of opened throughout the 60s and 70s. Uh, this is when construction began on them. Uh, and then in 1987, the city becomes coordinating agency of network. So this is this is when PATH really started being uh, pushed forward and when more of the pedestrian tunnels were developed, like 1987 onwards. But there was sort of a system in place already. Um, based on the description of the, the tunnel exit and the fact that our friend uh, Ernest here just sort of entered the tunnel, like if it, it is accessible to the outside, the creature can get in and out. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Oh, now I don't have to it, justify it is, its actions. It is choosing to eat cats. Oh, if no, it is choosing to eat cats, which is not what I believe. I believe. No, 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 no. I believe uh, the pained animal sounds are the creature, and it's just very, very sad and lonely. But it's less sad now. You'll notice that the strange animal noises came from it last summer, but not anymore. You know why? It has a pet now. It has a little kitty cat. So, so you're telling me that in this case, this mm-hmm. creature is using the kittens of Toronto to kind of fulfill the parable of the schmoo in sociological theory, where there are these little creatures called schmoos 
that like fulfill right. all the basic needs. So it's using it as a companion and as food and as uh, interior decorating or whatever sick fucked up thing the the cat just lying there is. Um, that's what so the fuck bad. Is a, what the f- hold on? You said a schmoo, and I. Yeah. Do you no, mean like the cartoon? Yeah, there's the parable of the schmoo that I had what, to read what, thirty pages about for my sociology class this term. Parable of the schmoo. Yeah, it's it's the theory that if there was this creature called schmooze, right um, from the little Abner comic strips. Yeah, there's like the idea that like. The story goes that there's, like, an incredibly poor town, um, and this, like, super rich capitalist comes to, to like, exploit them, because they're like, oh my god, they're so poor, they'll work for anything, they'll work any amount of hours, but then they get there, and, like, the workers are like, oh my god, like, that's so generous, or at least it would be, um, before the schmooze came, and they're like, what do you mean, the schmooze? And they're like, oh... Yeah, there are these little fucked up little creatures that run around and they can transform into anything we need for, like, basic necessities. Like, they can be food, and they can be clothing, and they can be, like, tools. Um, they can't be luxury goods, so you can't get, like, a like a Maserati schmoo. Um, but, like, they fulfill just about any potential need that you could have. Um, but now that I'm saying this and trying to connect it to the story, I realize... That because these schmoos are kind of cute, um, and I didn't realize the moral implications of the fact that uh, the schmoos that function as food are in fact eaten. Um, so yeah, their eyes no, make the best suspender buttons. Holy shit! What? This is a description of a schmoo. What the fuck? Wait, no, Their that's eyes so make the dark. best suspenders button. Wait, how did this make perfect toothpicks? How did this suddenly become? How did this suddenly become reverse Coraline? Uh, what? Some of the more tasty varieties of schmoo are more difficult to catch. What? <laughs> Usually, schmoo hunters, now a sport in some parts of the country, use a paper bag, flashlight, and stick to capture their schmoos. <laughs> Wait, no, this became so. At dark. night, the light stuns them. Then they may be whacked in the head with a stick and put the bag Wait, what put the, in the bag for frying this? up later on. I'm Wait. getting this from from the description of a goddamn schmoo by Al Cap. Wait, what the fuck? Wait, Wes, hold on a second. This is a call out. I want you to know that I am uh, deeply concerned and saddened by the fact that uh, we did not read this part of the parable of the schmoo. Um, cause Frank Olin Wright went on to just like talk about it and be like, okay, see, this is why capitalism is bad. And here are 11 points to talk about why capitalism is bad. But I didn't realize that this, this, uh, parable is so violent and dark. Um, and my, my dear professor Wes, I do wish that you had told us about this because then I wouldn't have brought up this metaphor. It is especially sad, Jude, because in class, I talked about how effective the parable of the shmoo was in dismantling the idea of dependent capitalism. But now I just feel kind of wronged and lied to. They're a poached creature, yes. I... You didn't know about more about the shmoo? There was a goddamn cartoon. I didn't realize the schmoos were unwilling participants in this system. Or that they could die. 
Wait, hold yeah. on. Let me bring up yes. my... Hold on. No, I'm literally going to bring up my writings because I don't remember anything about Schmooze being Schmooze didn't have any social significance. It is simply a juicy little critter that gives milks and lay eggs. When what? you look at one as though you'd like to eat it, it dies of sheer ecstasy. So I guess they want to be eaten, <laughs> Wait, but they like to make it a game for you sometimes. <laughs> what? Hold on. I don't remember what week we talked about them in. Hold on. Wait. Uh, they also appeared in the Flintstones. What? But yeah. The Shmoo appeared incongruously in the segment Bedrock Cops as a police officer alongside part-time officers Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble. Wait, the Shmoos were volunteer cops? Right? This gets worse! Okay, I found it, I found it. Okay, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Class counts. Eric Olin Wright. Here we go, here we go. Class analysis. Okay. Ah, the parable of the shmoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shmoo's sole desire in life is to please humans by transforming themselves into the material beings they need. They do not provide humans with luxuries. Um, if you become hungry, they can become ham and eggs, but not caviar. Uh, they multiply rapidly, so you never run out of them. They are thus of little value to the wealthy, but of great value to the poor. Uh, then it talks about Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. See, it doesn't mention that they die. God, I I really do feel like at this point then, I think the Toronto Tunnel Monster just found that the parable of the Shmoon was like, fuck, I should do this. Let me find it. Let me find a, a small creature that's hard to catch. Um, My thing was just that it has a kitten as like a pet, like just for, you know, the basic comforts of a of something to bond with and, and raise. I, not to fucking eat it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you see, I thought mine was going to be less dark, but in context, it's infinitely more dark. Yeah, mine is, he stole a cat from some old dude, which is like, oh, that's a little mean. But they were raising a litter of kittens uh, that they had found, which is very sweet. I uh, Let me let me get back to this. Let's, yeah. Uh, from a litter he'd been caring for, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he and his wife had been raising this little litter of kittens that they had found. See, that's really cute. So, you Except know, for the, the fact, I don't, yeah. I don't credit this monster for being, you know, kind and adoptive of the kitten, especially considering the fact there was a, a dead kitten found in the tunnels. Dead cat. Cat. Full grown. All cats are kittens. I'm saying corpse of a cat buried in the tunnel. Buried. Partially decomposing and partially buried inside the tunnel. I'm just saying, we don't know if it's the same cat. It likely isn't. And beyond that, I it at least had the respect to bury the cat. Wait, are we are we having the moral relativity argument where you're like, sure, it murdered an animal, but at least it buried it. No, 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 no. The animal may have died due to an accident or negligence. We cannot know cause of death in this situation. I'm saying, even supposing, let's say, the creature um, did not take adequate care of the animal and therefore it it died through negligence or mishap. In that case, okay, the creature is a bad pet owner and shouldn't have more pets. But look, it buried the creature. It, it buried the cat. 
the creature is doing its best. Sue the creature. Sue the creature for negligence. It's a Toronto tunnel monster. How can it... Sue the creature for negligence. This is like this is like when PETA runs along the streets and takes homeless people's animals. Like it's so fucked up. Don't give me this. Okay, yeah, PETA is fucked up. However, I'm not saying that um this cat should be removed for the sake of like oh people shouldn't have pets. Like Toronto tunnel monsters can't have pets. No, I think if you are responsible for a creature's death, either directly or indirectly. You should be sued, at the very least, in civil court for negligence. Jude, I have a question. What if the Toronto Tunnel Monster is, is a schmoo that just ran off? Okay, this is the point I was going to get to. um, And I guess if that's the point we're going to, how did a schmoo get into Toronto? What if they're all over the place? I thought, no, they're from, like, this one isolated location where the schmooze come from, and then they're exported outwards, and the old man who raised them is like, what the fuck are you doing? You're gonna, you're gonna end the world, and the dude who, who's taking the schmooze out is like, no, are you kidding me? This'll be great. Oh, oh, I see, see, your, your metaphor for the schmooze that you're seeing is an explanation on the exploitive nature of capitalism. That's interesting. Here's what I think. What I'm just going we... by the comic strips. I'm not submitting an analysis. This is what happens in the comic strips. Well, I have a different comic strip. Um, but here's my here's my theory. Here's my wild little theory for you, Jude. What if the parable of the shmoo, it's not based on just like someone's weird little thoughts or even a metaphor for capitalism. What if it actually is literally what happened? And the shmoo's one day decided you know, they read Marx and they're like, yeah, you know, you guys, we need to we need to band together. We need to rise up, seize the means of production and have a revolution. And we need to, like, stop providing. And then they all did their weird little shape shifty thing. And they, like, hid. And, like, some of them pretended to be trees and some of them pretended to be, like, grass. Um, and they all, like, hid for many, many years. And one of them pretended to be, like, part of the tunnels in Toronto. But then it got like really old and gray and vindictive. See, you're introducing the exotic pet trade way before I was going to get into it. Wait, how am I introducing the exotic pet trade? Well, you know, I think the shmoo can be considered exotic. Can the shmoo be considered a pet? In many ways. Okay. All right. Livestock. I don't know. What do you want to call it? The exotic pet trade of uh, made up animals. Yes. Um, and then, you know, one day it was like, you know, I'm tired of being nice. I just want to go go wild. Um, and, you know, I'll just start stealing people's cats. So let's go back to that description of our friend the Tunnel Monster. I've I've sent you uh, some de- some depictions. Oh. Oh. The eyes were orange and red. It was long and thin, almost like a monkey. Three feet long, large teeth, weighing maybe 30 pounds with slate gray fur. So we have this dark gray monkey or or primate looking creature uh, with glowing eyes. Now, the glowing eyes is pretty usual when you flash a flashlight at a a creature. That's not crazy. Particularly one with night vision. I I don't think that's that's out of left field or anything. Um, the part that gets me, I guess, is the, the sharp teeth. I, but even that's not that crazy. I mean, 
up until it starts talking, you could convince me this is just an escaped chimp. Yeah. And let's let's talk about the history of escaped chimps in Toronto for a moment. Or or well, not chimps, but monkeys. There's a history? There is a history. Uh Cass, do you know that one image of um of a of a little monkey in a coat? No. You've never seen it? No, I haven't, but because of those words, I'd like to see it very much. I'll warn you the story does get a little sad for for a moment here but Aww. I but I can but this image is at least a pleasant one. I, I this feels fine. Oh, well now I'm going to be really sad about what the context is. Um so this is Darwin the macaque. Uh this happened in 2012. Darwin the macaque wandered into an IKEA wearing a very stylish coat. Um Darwin became an overnight sensation when he was found wandering through an Ikea car park on December 9th, 2012 in Toronto, wearing a faux shearling jacket and looking very snug. He was Aww. also wearing a nappy. Aww. Uh Turns out Darwin, who was just six months old at the time, was quote-unquote owned by Yasmin Naduka. Oh, no. Uh, I think this article actually gets her name wrong. I think, I believe it's Yasmin Nakuda. I'm not totally sure. Yasmin. Aww. Yeah, it's Yasmin Nakuda. Uh, <laughs> our friends at Junkie got get the name wrong. Uh, thankfully, Darwin no longer lives with Nakuda, though she did try to prove her rightful ownership in court. She failed. Instead, he lives at the Storybook Farm Primate Sanctuary in Ontario, which cares after mystery at all sorts of primates, from macaques to baboons to spider and squirrel monkeys and even lemurs. Uh, in fact, uh, and this comes to us from 2019, um, he has a new surrogate dad, an 18-year-old olive baboon named Pierre. As Aww. six or seven-year-old Darwin enters his macaque teenage years, Pierre is very much a father figure, uh, Diane. Dinah Liepa told HuffPost Canada in a phone interview, Pierre is a very sweet monkey with a lovely and gentle personality, but he's not afraid to discipline Darwin if he steps out of line. Oh. I, I don't think it means spanking. I think it just means yelling. That's... I know baboons have big asses, but spanking's not really a thing among monkeys. I don't think it's physical, because if you look at the other, uh, the other person raising him... Um, so he got an enclosure of his own next to two good-natured olive baboons, Sweet Pea, a female, and Pierre. Um, so Sweet Pea, let's see, the female baboon would sometimes tease him, Liepa said, by offering him toys or blankets through a space between their caging. Once Darwin went to accept Sweet Pea's offering, she would scream and pull it back. She was such a tease. <laughs> Wait, uh, oh Darwin my god, was... I found Pierre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darwin is very shy, and she was quite patient with him. Uh, but monkeys and chimps, uh, this is very common among most primates, when you abduct them from their family at a very young age, it's extremely difficult for them to learn socialization rules. Macaques in particular need like two to three years to really develop a full sense of how to socialize with other creatures. Um, and because of like how exposed Darwin was to people... Uh, he is often very shy, and he feels uncomfortable in crowds and being stared at. 
Oh, sweet boy. Yeah, uh, Nakuda got more monkeys, apparently, at some point, which I don't know how she managed to, to get that passed. Because I, the thing I'm about really... uh, uh, owning any primate in Toronto is illegal. Yeah, but I feel like if you had known that someone had already had a history of, like, somehow finding primates, you'd keep more of a tabs on them in case, you know, more kind of popped up. Hmm. At least I would do that. Like, if I knew that someone had a habit of, like, you know, stealing cartons of milk from the dining hall, and then they, like, came back to the dorm and they had, like, a milk carton-shaped object tucked under their shirt, I would be like, hey, um, what you got there? Because based on your behavior, I think I know what it is. But, like, I want to hear it from you beforehand. But this isn't milk cartons, this is living creatures. So I gotta think that that's hard to hide. And, like, I mean, if you already have precedent for, like, taking someone else's, um, you know, claimed monkeys away, that'd be a lot easier to do it in the future. You could just be like, Nakuda, you know better than this. And she'd be like, yeah, I do. And No, like, she you know. does not. She absolutely <laughs> does not. Wasn't there any kind of, like, either fine or... Uh, well, she attempted to actually sue the sanctuary that took Darwin in to get him back. And what? then failed. And then she was like, well, I guess I'll just buy two new monkeys. Wait. Did someone bring it up to her that... Owning monkeys is a crime? Didn't she have to pay, like, well, a like, fine for breaking the law? The court... <laughs> Did she have to pay a fine because the, the monkey was taken? I don't know. She may she might have gotten off scot-free from her initial trial, but I know that she sued and failed um, to, to get the monkey back. Well, yeah, I mean, like, in this case, I feel like if you found someone had illegal monkeys and you were a municipality or a state, you would sue them. And then in the case of, like, you know, said city or state versus that person, if they lost, you know, there'd probably be a fine associated with the crime if it was, a, a, like, one of those fine crime things. And then you'd also probably make them pay the cost of the court fees because trial is a long, expensive process, and that's often what happens even in civil cases. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there would be at least some... At, at the very least, a monetary loss on her part. My my point in telling this story is to establish a sort of history in Toronto of uh, the exotic pet trade. It happens in every big city, and exotic pet people, um, the things I've noticed that are really big grabs are, the big ones are, let's see, there's always snakes. Exotic pet trade loves big, crazy snakes. Mm-hmm. Then the big cats. And then for others, it's chimps and monkeys because they're like little people. Hmm. And they, I have a they question. put. Yeah. Are monkeys known to talk? animals that have developed the ability to talk like ravens can talk and lots of birds can talk and like even some like some animals have learned how to like kind of mimic what talking sounds like 
But I wasn't under the impression that primates had quite learned that yet, because I know they use sign language primarily. They can speak even if they can't talk. You know, they can they, they can, can talk. They, they say, can go away, go away, get the fuck out of my room and my tunnel, please. <laughs> Mom, get out of my room. Get out of my tunnel. I'm eating a cat in here. God, can I have some privacy? I'm saying, what if this is a highly advanced situation uh, where a chimp develops speech as, as all primate linguistics research is really trying to do? They don't say it, but clearly that's what they want to happen. They want the, the chimp to just at some point say, in a, in a horrible <laughs> little in a horrible little monkey man voice oh my god that would be horrifying uh and i want to point out something about the toronto tunnels is besides all the pedestrian stuff there are tons of tunnels that even the city doesn't know about oh secret tunnels secret tunnels um and there's a lot of weird shit going on there in the non-pedestrian sections Oh. Uh, the workers did not scoff at, Ernest, at Ernest's tale. People who work on the surface just don't know what it's like down there, one worker said. It's a whole different world. Who would have thought a few years ago that people would live in sewers? And yet that's what they found in New York a few years back. And we have seen this in numerous other big cities. Uh, the same happened in Las Vegas. Like a couple was actually interviewed. They've been living in the sewers for two years. It is an environment in which you can, if not healthily or always adequately you can sustain yourself and get by what even in toronto we've occasionally had to pull mattresses from the chambers beneath the manhole covers uh where folks been sleeping oh my god if (laughs) i don't know what he saw down there he said but i'll tell you one thing if we could get in there i sure as hell wouldn't want to go down alone Weird shit ends up in the sewers. Weird people can end up in the sewers. Uh, there are uh, mole people. Uh, there's a whole what? Wikipedia. There's a whole Wikipedia article about it. This happens all the fucking time. I'm sorry. Did yeah. you say? Um, did you say mole people? Also called tunnel people or tunnel dwellers. This happens a lot in, especially in big cities. There are there are documentaries about it. There are anthropological studies about it. It happens all the time. Wait, but they're just they're just people. Why do they call them mole people? Uh, well, after uh, presumably the old sci-fi trope, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a name that's been used as far as back as like the early nineteen hundreds. I mean, that seems pretty derogatory. When you said mole people before I looked it up, I thought you meant, like, they were insinuating there were, like, people with, like, physical mole characteristics. No, no, it just mean, it just means around. anyone who lives underground. Huh. That seems rude. But here's my question. You said they didn't scoff at any part of the story? That's correct. Including the fact that it was... A three-foot-tall, gray, fuzzy, hissing thing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm saying we're dealing with 
uh, a sort of Nimchimsky situation here. A what? Nimchimsky. Who is that? You, you know no, no you know Noam Chomsky, right? Mm. No. Nimchimsky was the chimpanzee who was the subject of Project Nim. Uh, it was an attempt to go further than Project Washu. Terrace and his colleagues aimed to use more thorough experimental techniques and the intellectual discipline of the experimental analysis of behavior so that the linguistic abilities of the apes could be put on a more secure footing. Ape linguistic studies have been a huge field for a while. Um, now, I don't want to say huge. They've been a controversial field for a while, and there are a lot of people very interested in it, mainly because a lot of people really hate Noam Chomsky. Nim was a chimpanzee who was not raised with other chimpanzees, uh, but was instead raised around humans, within human culture, like washed, like was shown how to wash dishes and stuff, uh, and was taught some ASL. So they, they would repeatedly speak to him in ASL. Um, but the trick is, while Nim did learn 125 signs, Terrace concluded that he had not acquired anything the researchers were prepared to designate worthy of the name language, although he had learned to repeat his trainer signs in appropriate context. One of Terrace's colleagues estimated that with more standard criteria, Nim's true vocabulary was closer to 25 than 125. But he did uh, speak quite regularly with the various researchers who were watching over him. He had real trouble reintegrating into uh, other chimpanzees. It, it, this is another. This is another sad, a sad chimp story. Um, wow. When Terrace ended the experiment, Nim was transferred back to the Institute for Primate Studies in Oklahoma, where he struggled to adapt after being treated like a human child for the first decade of his life. He'd also never previously met another chimp and had to get used to them. Um, Terrace is sort of a deadbeat dad because he only visits Nim once. And Nim fucking loves Terrace. He is so excited to see Terrace again. He immediately Aww. starts, like he had been really shy around the facility, but he immediately starts like conversing in sign language with Terrace. And then he goes back to being very sad after Terrace leaves. Although he did end up developing friendships with several of the workers at the Institute and he learned a few more signs, including a sign named Stone Smoke Time Now, which yes, indicated that Nim wanted, Nim wanted to smoke marijuana. A <laughs> friend Nim Chimsky, bit of a stoner, not dedicated to his studies, really wanted, really wanted that weed. Listen, level one of friendship is telling someone, pass me that blunt. Level <laughs> 20 friendship is when you just turn to them and say, Stone Smoke Time Now. <laughs> <laughs> Other phrases include give me eat, grape eat nim, <laughs> more eat nim, nut nim nut, play me nim, tickle me nim, tickle me eat, yogurt nim eat, <laughs> grape eat nim eat, and the longest uh, quote nim ever made, give orange me, give eat orange, me eat orange, give me orange, eat orange, give me you. The thing about primate sign language um, is that it is not very sophisticated because they they can understand sort of the individual meanings of each word, but st stringing them together, they they accept any order as 
is sort of acceptable and it varies randomly. Um, you'll see even in Russian, which has a free word order, there's still like a, a default sense or they will switch word order in order to designate a sort of uh, emphasis, like whether they're using the object first, the subject or the verb, etc. Um, the same sort of goes for Latin and stuff like that. So primates don't have a terribly sophisticated sense of language, but they can string words together. Now, let's say that there's some sort of underground room that nobody knows about with a safe in it full of who knows what, because it was never opened, uh, in which two people could theoretically be, or let's say a chimp and one person, repeatedly conversing until the monkey, our, our little friendly ape man, learns how to speak and is a very deeply hateful ape, ape, ape man. This is where it all comes together, Cass. Do you know what I'm about to give you? Cass, do I you have know? theories. I have theories, but I... What's what's your theory? No, 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 no. I want to hear this. What's your theory? What's my theory about what you're going to say? Yeah, go ahead. Um, let me see. I think the next thing that's going to come out of your mouth is... Um, that there is such a safe um, in the tunnels of Toronto where a vindictive chimpanzee uh, decided to effectively trap another human being in the safe. And then when that human was asleep, went up to get, like, a snack or something. And then another researcher who didn't tell anyone he was a researcher went in to find something. And um, in a kind of final, like, fuck you, um, the chimpanzee turned to him, spoke in perfect English, and then went back <laughs> into the safe. <laughs> uh, no, well, not exactly near, near to what I was uh, gonna suggest, but... <laughs> not at all? <laughs> no, I, sort of, uh, but no. Um... Oh, oops. I've got a I've got a fun little mystery here. So Toronto is sort of continually digging up tunnels. Um I'll, I'll address a, a brief side mystery that is suggested by a, a man known as Commander X. Oh my um, god. Yes. We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But first I want to address something about the new Massey Hall site. So this would later become uh the Roy Thompson Hall. It was initially known as New Massey Hall during its construction, but a large excavation site had to be done to create a new uh, theater. And when it was excavated, they hit something, and it was this metal box. And when they started digging around it, uh, they realized this was a metal box inside a wall of a room. They, they were demolishing an old building uh, and excavating its premises and the foundations. Here's the trick. This room was not listed anywhere on the foundations. Oh. They go into the room. They check it. There's some chairs. Uh, there's a table. Let's see. The bare room, not marked on any of the detailed plans of the old building, contained a chair, a table, and two empty cups, all of which were brought to the surface along with the locked safe, where they quickly vanished. We don't know what was in the safe. The safe was never opened. It was taken away and vanished. This happens 
during the uh, during the eighties. Actually, let's see what what year was this? The excavation uh, was ongoing throughout the nineteen seventies. Hmm. I can't find the specific year this actual thing was dug up. Ah, there we go. 1982 was when the hall was finished. So this must have happened sometime during the 70s. So what I think is this was a secret underground room where our friend the Toronto Tunnel Monster was injected with a secret fluid contained in that safe. Uh, the super secret super monkey soldier serum that lets you talk to monkeys and lets monkeys talk to you. And our friend, this little chimp monkey man thing, was given the serum, learned to speak, did not like being locked up in a room, somehow got out, gets into the tunnels, because there are tunnels everywhere, and who knows where they go, and then ends up in Cabbage Town. Huh. What do I think happened to him afterwards? Well, chimps have a short lifespan. He's not around anymore. Oh my god. <laughs> That's not true, actually. How short is a chimp lifespan? Uh, thirty years. Okay, like, yeah, around around about thirty years. Uh, older for for females, about forty years in captivity. Can I admit why I know this? Because of the chimp case yeah, the that you talk about in mock trial. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, a lot about chimpanzees because of that trial. I th- no, no. Why would that? Why would that be unfortunate? It's a very important thing to know so much about our. Are our brethren. Because the the context of that knowledge. If I ever drop any chimpanzee facts on someone, if I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the average chimpanzee based on its muscle mass is about 1.5 times stronger than the average human being. Someone goes, oh my god, that's such a cool fact. Where'd you learn that? I have to go, Midlands After Dark versus Danny Kosak, the college mock trial case of 2018 to 2019. Positive reinforcement is the only ethical method of training, and uh, if you don't do that, it can cause a startle reaction. If you use continuous positive reinforcement and then you immediately switch to uh, a different uh, positive reinforcement technique, but you don't tell the chimpanzee, it will maul someone. Somebody tried to do a Planet of the Apes here. What? Yeah, somebody somebody injected an ape with a very special fluid, and then it made him into an evolved chimpanzee. Uh, but instead of a Planet of the Apes happening, he was just like really fucking mad. He was just, he was just sad and lonely. Oh, angst. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious about where you're getting the the super secret super strength serum idea from. I am getting that from Planet of the Apes. Uh, let's see. Uh, this in Planet of the Apes, the simian flu, formerly known as ALZ one one twelve and ALZ one one thirteen, was an artificially created retrovirus designed to cure Alzheimer's disease. So they were basically in the reboot series of Planet of the Apes that started sometime in the 2000s. Um, I remember sort of enjoying the first movie. Uh, it was like, okay. Um, they're basically like doing, you know, standard animal testing to see if this will work on humans. Um, 
and it ends up making the apes like really smart. I mean, they're smart on their own. Yeah, but it, I mean, it like makes them capable of advanced puzzle solving, and they can. And an ape is already pretty capable, uh, and it lets them speak and have full conversations. Let's see. Uh, Caesar in the films, who is the main character, uh, is voiced by Andy Serkis. And there's a lot oh, of him me. talking. Yeah, and there's a lot of him talking to uh, Will Rodman, his adoptive father and the researcher who who was sort of leading this project. Um. And going like, Father, why did you make me this way? I want to, I want to see the outside world. I'm a little I'm a little ape man and I hate being in here. I'm Andy Circus, the little ape man. Let me out. Why does why is it always Andy Circus? <laughs> of course it's Andy Circus. Because why of course, is it course, always Andy listen, Circus. What's important is by the end of this fucking stupid ass reboot series, the apes are like riding horses and wielding guns. And the catch is, they don't look like the anthropomorphic apes of Planet of the Apes, the original one. They look like, still like regular apes. It's just, it's just apes on horses with, with fucking AK-47s. It is, it is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen, and I refuse to watch any of them. We have to watch them together now. Because I feel like I no, hate these movies. Uh, the first one is like, okay. It, but in that sort of mediocre okay where you're like, I don't want to watch it again. Okay, can you confirm based on what you know about my taste in movies and what kind of sets me off in an emotional sense? Would I hate this movie as much as I think I would based on the description you're providing? It is not as uncanny valley as you're thinking. Um, the apes sort of have like... They have uh, very expressive faces, but I, I would still say they don't teeter too much into uncanny valley if that's what you mean. But, uh, is the CGI bad enough? That it would make me very uncomfortable. No, no, the CG is pretty good. I, I, I'm not in love with the fur How textures or it? anything, but because I bad like CGI pretty... is bad, good CGI is all right. But like, if it's not quite good enough, just a little bit not good enough, like, oh no, I, I feel can't. like there's a point where it becomes like too good, and you just start thinking like, yeah. oh, hold on, I'm looking it up. Listen, listen, the Toronto Tunnel Monster was just an early experimentation CGI. Um, I don't like this. Oh, you don't like it? I don't it? like this at all. No. It's not good for you? Oh, it's very bad for me. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Why Chips do they also look very like they have human expressions? Because they are being CG mapped onto fucking human people. What That's the Andy Circus. That's Andy fucking Circus, the ape man. I hate man. that. I hate it. That's Andy Circus. You can see Andy Circus's eyes. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. I, I watched this at a goddamn drive-in theater. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh, ew. The original ape costumes are less uncanny. What? But I really think it's just fine. I think it is just fine. This is reminding me of the Cats movie. Just like human faces do not belong on animals. They just don't. Don't do it. Yeah, uh, in the original series, Caesar was also an ape, but he became like a like more of a human man after you know experimentation. Is Caesar Andy Circus? In the original series, 
No, what is the name of Andy Serkis's character? Caesar. Okay. The main that's who, okay. He leads the he leads the revolution. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Um. I feel like we never got back to the Commander X point, and I feel like. Oh if- yeah. Well, you, let, let's address that. I guess. Uh. So Commander X is our our Toronto friend. I guess not from Toronto exactly. Uh, crap. Where is it? There we go. Uh, Commander X is an anonymous person who wrote the book called Underground Alien Bases, in which he posits that the aliens were inside Earth the whole time. Let's not get into a Scientology thing here. I don't think that's what Commander X is going for. Um, Commander X is instead proposing that there are numerous UFOs and uh, passageways for aliens established in the subterra. And one of these is in Parliament Street in downtown Toronto, which is near Cabbage Town. This is this this is the exact place uh, <laughs> that this incident takes place. In fact, this is the tunnel that our friend Ernest enters to go and find his lost kitten, and this is where he encounters the Toronto Tunnel Monster. So Commander X is is not actually saying this, but other people have said, based on Commander X's data, uh, that there is an alien, that the the Toronto Tunnel Monster must clearly be an alien of some kind using these passageways. Yeah, I am also noticing that there's this big theory that there's um, magnets also involved. And the alien tech is based on powerful magnets, which cause bizarre equipment failures and accidents at that uh, intersection in Toronto. Um, Because there are more, it has a higher accident rate than the rest of the thing. And before, before you start to sympathize with any part of Commander X or this whole story, um, if this was something that you were already in danger of, um, this is a sentence from the article I'm reading. Sadly, however, the Commander's surprising claims lack real-world credibility, although it may explain why neo-Nazi whack job and hollow-earth enthusiast Ernst Zundel lived nearby on oh, Carlton Street before being Zundel. booted out of the country in 2005. So I've learned that the hollow... Yeah, the whole underground tunnel thing is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I've learned about a new type of theory. You've heard of flat earth? Now get ready for hollow earth. You didn't know about hollow earth? No, I didn't. Are are you kidding me? This is like the big one. Um, Besides ice earth. I assumed everyone knew the earth had a magnetic core. Like, yeah, Commander X, there are powerful magnets under the earth. The core is a powerful magnet. That's how it works. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. There's nothing in there. Uh, Do they think, like, hell's in there? Like, hell's under the earth? Okay. That's why it's hot. So, there's a couple of variations on the hollow earth theory. Uh, For instance, there's the concave hollow earth hypothesis. Um, which is that we live on the inside of a hollow spherical world. What? Our universe itself lies in that world's interior. 
what the fuck? Yeah. Like the little galaxy bell in like in like Men in Black that the little cat has. Uh, let, listen, what? Just, just look. What the fuck? I don't even understand this map. Why does it say that Italy's underground? No, 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 no. Well, listen. What? I'm so confused. Does it say no, the sky? No, 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 no. It's, is... it's like a, it's... It's hmm. just a circle with three points on it. One is New Zealand, India, and Italy. Yeah, but there's an exponential increase towards the, the center of the, the hollow Earth, where, where ours is... Basically, imagine Earth itself as sort of a tube... Or, or like a like a sheet, like a sheet wrapping around the inside of this this hollow sphere, right? Does this make sense? No, it doesn't at all. No, 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 no. Okay, you know when you crack open a fucking Easter egg? Yeah. All right. Now you know how the surface of the inside of the Easter egg, right? How yeah. there's that inside surface, but there's space in the middle, the hollow space, right? Yeah. Okay. Hollow Earth, the concave Hollow Earth theory, proposes that basically we're the surface of the egg on the inside. What the and the fuck? rest of the inside is space. What the fuck? So you can walk around Hollow Earth, but there's an exponential increase when you try and move to the center. Because you're trying to move to the center of the universe. What the actual fuck? There's also the snowball earth theory, which is just that we are one uh, flat earth on, we're sort of like a small disc on a giant snowball. Oh my god, it's a it's a team up effort between flat earth and hollow earth? Yeah, sort of. How long is it going to be before someone is like, no, you know, earth isn't even real. I feel like I'm yeah, in here that. We go. Uh, the great, the great ice ball Earth theory, which is, which is my personal favorite flat Earth theory. I, the, this shit drives me bonkers. What the fuck? What the right? Fuck? What the fuck? So the sun has melted a pond like in the, the ice ball. ice walls. What the? What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, you don't know about the ice ball, the ice walls that are uh, very pertinent to flat Earth theory. I've heard about them, but I didn't think that. The, what the fuck? Possibly hollow. Who the fuck is saying this? Oh my god! I, Jude, you've given me brainworms. You've sent me brainworms through Discord. You're welcome. This is what you get for reminding me of the schmooze. <laughs> uh, so I think the most sort of reasonable. Uh, reaction to all this is probably it's probably like just a guy yeah I, I don't want to I don't want to doubt Ernest's experiences here he seems like a really trustworthy member of the community I mean for God's sakes he's raising kittens with his wife I, I, do, I don't really chalk it up to I, I, can't, I can't really chalk it up to anything other than the light and like probably a weird raggedy outfit uh, like, if you have a, an old ruined fur coat or even just an old ruined gray shirt, that could probably be mistaken for fur, I think. 
Yeah. Like you, you've seen sweaters. You, especially those ugly, like very, like a, like if you, I fucking hate those those goddamn caterpillar ass looking sweaters. You mean the, the really the funny ones? ones? That, the ones that look like they are made out of goddamn eyelashes and individual hairs. I hate that shit. Oh, you're not you're not talking about the one that looks like you're trying to be a teddy bear, are you? No. No, those like, those yeah, ones no. are okay. I, you know, I never think pet teddy bear. I think like just a fucking rug. <laughs> Yo, roast everyone! Roast everyone with fluffy jackets. Do it. Wow. Yeah, I will. I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you think I'm afraid of people who wear fluffy jackets? Well, I wear fluffy jackets, so I think that get, that at least gives an indication of like the demeanor of the population of people who wear fluffy jackets. But this shit, you know, this shit, it looks like the fucking cookie monster. Oh my god, this looks like what Grisabella wears in the Cats movie. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that's what this is. This is someone from... From the movie, from <laughs> from the a stage play, production, from the stage production of Cats, lost in the Toronto sewer system, and just do you know what being lost in the Toronto sewer system? Wait, oh my god! The you? reason they're stealing cats is they're trying to get method with it, right? I'm I'm just you know I feel like the reason why Ernest probably would have said, "Oh my god!" Like it said, "Go away, go away," is because. You know, if I were out at night looking for a cat and I heard someone go, Memory, da, 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 I think I'd freak out. Why I'd is that like, the one to go to? I don't want to be the person who knows cat songs in this. I Watch don't. I watched me. The... It's so easy to leave me. I and I'd be like, no, I didn't hear song. anything. I didn't hear anything. Uh, do you remember at that point in the movie, I just started like sobbing and I don't know why? I recall, yes. Oh, tears I... pulling in my fucking collarbone. My this is important, was... I guess. That song, that song plays, I think, about three or four times through the movie. I have now seen the movie three times. Do you know how many fucking times I've had to hear that song? When was the... Oh, wait, no, I know what the third is. Um, yeah, tor- tortured another person with it. I, <laughs> we're, we're just, this is my other cult. Uh, the cult of I make you watch cats and break your brain. God, it would have been a less worse experience if there weren't actual cats fans behind it. No, that's the real explanation. It's not a member of the cast. Cats are... It's not a member of the Cats production. It's a member of the Cats fans. Because, like, those people are monstrous. Yeah, I... (laughs) I can't imagine a fan or someone trying to do their own version saying, get out, get out. Uh, Like, you're ruining the production! (laughs) (laughs) It's not stage ready! (laughs) (laughs) And you just see a button. See... They're doing this innovative, new, high-concept version of Cats, where instead of humans playing cat people, it's cats playing human people. Oh my god. We've cracked it. That's why they've stolen all the cats of Toronto. Okay. Uh, so I guess, I guess on, a, on a scale of ten, um, how, like, how likely are you to, uh, to pick the Toronto Tunnel Monster to be your jellical choice? <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, let, before we get to our ending question, I guess let's jump over to the cryptids. We can see what they have to say. There's so little. 
They try to chalk so, it up to Native American tradition. Yeah, um, but they do like that. Hey, not and then the they copy and paste an article. Let's see. Uh, the shy platypi says, Gollum? Question mark. Says Diakujia if he was part ant. Wait, Diakujia said this? Fucking oh my God. every time. He, he must have a comment on nearly every goddamn page of this site. Uh, says someone, thanks to Special Agent Mulder for expanding this page. Is someone on this site just named Special Agent? Someone on this site is just straight up named Special Agent Mulder. Oh my god. Uh, I live right outside of Toronto, so info would be easy. So this was this was the person who did a bunch of the research for this article. Oh, wow. Wow, we're actually seeing the Cryptids Wiki come together. Uh, Shiraz, Me- Shiraz Maimon says, someone edit this page, please. And then says Special Agent Mulder, yay Canada, before posting a couple links and editing the article. Actually doing the research, putting in the time. That's getting out there. Actionable feedback. Wow, we, we are actually seeing something. How about that shit? And this is a pretty well formatted article, too, all things considered. You've got like an analysis of the tunnels in Toronto. You've got the 1978 sighting. Uh, wow, multiple sources. This is incredible. They, they did they, they, this one, not bad. I'd give it a C. Plus. I don't really I I really don't know how to rate the Toronto Tunnel Monster I would say adoptability but I I'll be honest at this point it would sort of feel cruel to to put it into a foster home I I feel like it's I I would say how likely are you to watch their production of cats on a scale of 1 to 10 okay I want to say oh shit Here's here's the trick of this. Cats does this thing to my brain. Um because I I get I guess after watching the movie, and I almost feel like this is specific to the movie, that's my concern with cats, is that I watch cats the movie and I think to myself, this isn't a movie. This is not a movie. I don't know what I'm experiencing right now. It's not really a film. It's a sequence of events that have no connection to each other. It, it can't even be called abstract art at some point. It, it, it is so foreign to human understandings of uh, creation and art and media. So the thing about it is it does this particular brain, thing to my brain where I don't need drugs anymore. I have cats and I can just watch that. And it starts to just drive me slowly insane. And I have to cool down for about three days. The high lasts for a while. My concern is with seeing any f- actual uh, stage production of Cats, because what if it ruins the experience for me, you know? What if it just doesn't measure up? Uh, but my other concern is missing out, you know? Especially on a sewer production of Cats. It's a FOMO! <laughs> I'm gonna say a five. I, I am caught so in the middle. I could really, I could really go either way on this. I think, unfortunately, I also have to say a five. And the reason I say this is I know, I know for a fact, for a genuine bona fide fact, that if somehow you found some random underground sewer production of cats, you would somehow trick me into going with you 
you would oh, say sure. like, oh, let's go see our mutual friend in Toronto. And oh, I'm bad at directions. So you're like, oh, we're just, we're a little further, just a little further. And you're taking me into the tunnels. And I'm like, what is happening here? And then boom, it's too late. They closed the path system at a certain time. So I can't get out. And then I Tell just Toronto like. Toronto monster just comes out sauntering with like a big pair of fake cat ears. <laughs> yes. This is what would happen. I know it. I live every day in fear of it. But I know it would happen. Road trip. <laughs> it is amazing to me the uh, the weird cultural legacy this creature has. Because it has served as inspiration to a couple of film directors throughout the years. Um, there was one in particular who worked on I, I, a film I think called Toronto Stories. Um, who said he was specifically drawing from his experiences as a kid of uh, reading about this monster and then like going off into the tunnels to search for it with his friends. So it has a legacy to a degree, but I think it's mostly forgotten uh, by time at this point that a lot of people who grew up in Toronto around that time during the 70s and 80s knew about this, but past that, gone. The unremembered by the, by the next generation, but... We'll remember the Toronto Tunnel Monster. Would you say that you're leaving the Toronto Monster all alone with their memories of their days in the sun? It's so what easy days to in the them. fucking sun? It lives in the tunnels! If you touch them, you'll understand what happiness is. And then a new day has begun. <laughs> Still get weepy. See you all next week. <laughs> Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Uh, it's me, Jude, with you again for the outro. So, I had a great time with today's episode. I love weird little, little weird little freaks in, in weird little areas. Shit like uh, shit like the Dover Demon and stuff like this. I, if you've got them, send them my way, please. I, I want these little bastards in my home, in my life, because they're already in my heart. But if you enjoyed today's episode and you aren't already, do follow us on one of our many, many platforms. We are now on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram, all at ACSGCast. Please continue talking about the show on these platforms using the hashtag, hashtag ACSGCast. Uh, you know, tweet your ideas at the show, uh, speak your speak your mind about whatever the hell we talked about, put art in there, who knows, whatever. Please do continue sharing it with your family and friends. We have had a great time with that. Uh, we are available on acsgcast.simplecast.com and on Spotify. And we are slowly being put on YouTube. Uh, Cast is working on uploading all the all the previous episodes, and the backlog should be, you know, making its way upwards. Uh, in a hot minute, once we reach uh, episode thirty, we're actually going to wrap up this uh, quote-unquote season um, of ACSG. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be stopping. There's going to be some off-season content. There's going to be more stuff like that. And, you know, we still have a ways to go before then. Uh, in the meantime, we're very excited for the holidays. We've got some uh, we've got some great episodes ahead. And next week's is pretty fun. If you like dragons. I mean, they're not dragons, but they're they're like dragons. They're dragons in a sense.
So if, you know, if you want to see what kind of dragons they are, uh, tune in next week. So please catch the show next week and I'll see you all then.